Hello, my name is Steven Smith, the owner of 3Pi Squared, and this is the ABA Business Leaders Podcast. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our membership program. 3Pi Squared has helped over 700 ABA practices start up and expand. Our membership has over 45 hours of content from experts in the fields of law, accounting, diversity and inclusion, childhood development, mindfulness, business development, HIPAA compliance, marketing and branding, billing, and more. We also have discounts on things like our three pi squared handbooks, professional liability insurance, background checks, HIPAA compliant email, contacts, calendars, and cloud storage. The membership also includes 33 CEUs, live Ask Us Anything events, where you can come on and ask your questions as you're going through the program. And in our app, you can also add anonymous questions and get your answers. To learn more about the membership, please go to our website, www.3pisquare.com and click on ABA Business Leaders. And now let's get to the episode. Hello, everyone. Hi. Uh, So there is, so we are streaming in two spots today. I don't know. We'll see how my bandwidth works out. Uh, So we are in Vimeo Live and we're in Facebook Live Uh, So uh, we're going to be checking the chat in both of those. Um, If you run into any issues, just let us know, hopefully in the comments, and uh, we'll see how it works. I'm going to do a sound check really quickly just to make sure it's working. Facebook Live. Uh, So uh, we're going to be checking the chat. All right. So, yeah, that's it. We're here for an Ask Us Anything so it's really it's your opportunity to ask any questions that you have um really anywhere in the startup process so we're expanding um so anyone on facebook anyone on vimeo feel free to ask any questions and i think the vimeo definitely has like a little bit of a delay so yes i i believe that if I if I'm looking at even at Facebook right now, it seems like there is a delay. So yeah, I'm just waiting. I, I see crickets at this moment. So don't leave me hanging. <laughs> uh, feel free to log in and ask any questions that you have. Uh, and oh, we got one. All right. Can you run through the process for accepting a new client? We are in network. I don't have to. Oh, sure. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Um, so we are in network. I have a copy of the front and back of the insurance card. So it does depend. Thank you for your question. It does depend on the funder. So, but typically what we recommend is you flip it over and, um, and then you just call the authorization department on the back is typically where I would start. And when you call the authorization department, most funders now have ABA departments. So you can say, hey, can I talk to the pre-authorization ABA department? And they'll most people will know that alphabet soup and be able to bring you to that, that person um, and then you know start the process. Normally, if you're a network, you should probably already have their template. If they have a template, some don't, some do. So uh, some will have like a treatment plan template or a request for assessment template that you'll need to fill out. Uh, So it just depends, right? Some you'll fill it out and submit it like through Availity. Some you'll submit through fax. Some you'll do over the phone. So it really does depend on the funder. Uh, but that's typically where I would start is take the back of their card, call the authorization department, um, and they'll tell you, you know, they should tell you what the benefit is, copays, deductibles, stuff like this, right? So that's like the business end of it. Yes. 
um, like clinical end of it. Um, not sure exactly. Yeah, like you said, broad question. That would run through yeah, the and process. if you have specifics, not to interrupt, yeah, but yeah. like just yeah. write down yeah, the specifics. Yeah, any specifics please. that we're not answering or if we're like completely going in a different direction than you intended. Um, but for like the, the, the clinical end of it, um, you know, having that person to accept um, TRICARE. Okay. All right. So as far as like taking on, like if you have like a waiting list, so I think, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, there was, like, that vetting process at first, right? So I don't know how early sure. in the client pro new client process that you're asking. Um, but as far as, like, whether you're you're able to take that kid on, whether they go to a waiting list, if they, they go to a waiting list, what happens? Yes, and you'll need to um, have, like, a list of, like, the items, whether whoever, whoever takes the prospective clients information from the beginning okay so very early so how we did it as we had well it was us at first and then as we got admin staff and whatever whoever the designated person who got the phone calls or answered the emails of are you accepting new clients right now do you take tricare do you take such and such insurance um then what you would do is you would have like a list of things that you would that you would cover in that response to the email or that you would cover within like that phone call of if you have a waiting list what um like finding out the availability of the the client um letting them know what pieces of information that you would need from them like a diagnosis like do they actually have diagnosis uh, on a piece of paper in a report whatever the insurance or you know needs from that um, you know, getting contact information, like especially if it's through phone call, like getting contact information so that you can follow up, um, you know, keeping all this information in a certain spot, like spreadsheet or, you know, notebook or whatever, however your systems work, right? Like I'm, there again, I'm trying to stay broad too. Um, it's so that you have this information so you can follow back up with these people. Um, as far as like what you would need from them, their insurance card, the diagnosis, um, you know. And then each funder does require a certain diagnosis. So I believe TRICARE is ADOS. I think that's what they require. Right. And then like in the, like depending on their, you know, their funder, finding out like knowing what type of diagnosis that they'll, that they'll except um they all these days want something in writing but the extent of that differs across um funder so then also um let's see i said availability mm -hmm. and then um like then figuring out like the the assessment so if you do have availability and you're and they do have um you know you check the insurance and they're in network and all of those pieces work out then of course scheduling the assessment and if for like as far as do you need pre-authorization for the assessment is there a certain form that's what you're talking about um and then you know getting that assessment scheduled and then somewhere in there like knowing um you know if you have like if their needs match what your services offer, Correct. if they're within Correct. what you can serve yeah. um, as you get to know them during that assessment process. And then, of course, um, that takes you into, um, you know, kind getting ongoing plan. ongoing services and yeah. treatment planning. And, and then doing, like, the intake paperwork. So you, you'll need a medical questionnaire, right? And if right. those things are ridiculously well, long. Well, so, I mean, that's, that's like, actually before the assessment, right? So yes. it's like, yeah. you know, so if you do everything lines up and you're able to take this client and the pair yes. works out and the diagnosis and all the things, okay, now there's funding here. Correct. Um, then, then the next step would deep be to, to set up the um, however your company does it like we did it in person mm -hmm. we went out and visited them and walked them through the paperwork and getting the whole intake packet getting all those pieces of information that you need depending on your services depending Correct. on your state guidelines and regulations right. depending on what um, the payer wants and um, and then what clinical information that you need and then make sure you get all that financial responsibility agreement mm -hmm. um, uh, informed consent, like informed all the things, yep. right? And mm -hmm. then so before you actually get going on the assessment and then the assessment process would be next year in COVID, our um, agency started doing it virtually. Um, and it's it's really a, it's, it's really a pro, it, it's really, 
it's really dependent on you and your your company and how you do things. But in, in our agency, like I had the VCVAs go out and actually in person do the intake or virtually do the intake, not just hand on a packet and say, here, fill this out and give back to me. That way we could go over very specific things. I don't know. Does that, do you have any further questions from all of that information we just spewed out at you? <laughs> Oh, great. I'm so glad that was helpful, Amy. So having a solid intake packet is, is really important on these. And like what we normally, especially like many people have multiple funders. Uh, so maybe they'll have Optum and they'll have TRICARE and they'll have Cigna. And each one of them has their own requirements of what they want in an intake and what they want in a medical questionnaire. So doing your best to get those provider manuals to understand what is your requirement and mm -hmm. then make it like the best way to do it, at least in my opinion, um, is um, making like a comprehensive one size fits all system. Um, so that you're getting all the requirements and doesn't matter if it's Cigna or Aetna or, or right. try, you just know, okay, in this mess of stuff, I, I have what I need. And then I also have all of my funders requirements. So there isn't any guessing, oh, did we send the Cigna one or did we, oh, and then what if they switch insurances? Uh, do we need to do the intake again? No, you have everything. So it's, um, yeah, definitely having it standardized yes. is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we got a question in Vimeo. So CAQH process, I believe is what they're asking. So the, um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm, I'm gonna talk about CAQH. Um, mm. So um, if, if I'm not hitting the right thing, just please let me yeah, know. Yeah, there are so many different uh, yes, I, acronyms. acronyms. <laughs> I gave it to the word. So with, like, uh, with credentialing, you need to update your CAQH. And I, I mean, I can get into the weeds about CAQH, uh, but basically it's a profile for you. It's not a company profile. It's a, it's your information. You will put in who you work for in there. You can put multiple addresses and multiple companies in there. Uh, and then you meaning BCBA. You as the practitioner. Yes. And so you'll fill that out. You'll put in professional liability insurance. Uh, I think every six months you have to attest, you have to do your attestation, so you're going to re get like an email reminding yes. you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the problem is a lot of providers um, do not have access to their CAQH, and, and many of them don't even know what CAQH is or that it exists. Mm -hmm. So um, many times, especially if you're a newer BCBA, you're working with a company, you've been with them for, I don't know, five, 10 years or whatever as an RBT, and now you finally, you're a BCBA, um, the, the, the admin staff will create your CAQH, create your NPI, and you know, you'll fill out the paperwork and you won't think anything of it, um, and then they'll kind of control it. Uh, but what happens, again, a lot of times, you don't even know it. Uh, so when you go to create your company, and you can see our dog is our, very we have a special visitor today. <laughs> uh, uh, very curious about what's going on. But um, it, it, you know, if you start to create your company and you submit your applications for insurance and your CAQH is not updated with your new company information, your applications will get rejected. So a lot of times in these scenarios, and I've been through them many times, and I'll give you the there. There's the middle of the road, then, then you have the two extremes. So, um, you know, if you get into this situation where you are needing your CAQH or starting your own practice, uh, but your, com your current company has it, uh, has control over it, um, and you go to try and get it, uh, what is going to happen is that, you know, if you change the email address, you change the password, whatever, they're going to get an email saying, hey, this CAQH was just changed. Uh, did you mean to do that? And so at that point, they're going to know that you changed it. Um, and there aren't many reasons after five, six, seven years why you would change a CAQH information unless you're getting a new job or you're starting your own practice. That's pretty much it. Um, so at that point, they're going to know something's up, right? 
So what I do recommend as you start this process, you just upfront say, hey, uh, I'm gonna start my own practice. It's gonna take me six to nine months, you know, depending on my, the funders that you're going with and I wanna do it slow, I wanna continue working with you, uh, but I just wanna give you the <laughs> heads up that I'm gonna do this. Um, most times people are super helpful, right? Some may even help you start your practice and give you advice. Um, and, or some may, it's happened. Uh, this is the positive part of it is, uh, don't leave. I'll give you a raise. Just stay please. And I've seen that happen many times. And you know, some people are like, nah, okay, fine. I'm going to stay. And then others are like, no, nah, I still really want to do this. Right. Uh, and then the other side of it is, um, the other side of it is immediate termination. Um, and, and that is that I, again, I, I, when I'm consulting with people, I let them know about this, uh, that this is a possibility, right? And if you're in an uncomfortable, maybe you find yourself in an unethical situation, uh, this may be the result of this, uh, but it's just something to be aware of as you're going through this process. Um, so that that is the piece there. And then for any changes, so when you log into your CAQH, you basically you're reattesting, I believe, every time. Well, it's, right? it's kind of like similar to like, <clears throat> like on the BACB website. Like, I mean, of course, you only do that like not as often as the sure, HH. Sure. But like, has your information, any of your information changed? Mm -hmm. Right, your address, your mm -hmm. company, your type. Like, yep. And so a lot of times, like especially if nothing's changed, you're just clicking a little Correct. box at the bottom saying, yeah, everything's good, you know. And, and then you just, it's like, it, unless you have changes to input, it's like you know, a 10 second process or right, something. Right. right. So if you are starting your own practice, then I, I like, uh, please go in, log into your, mm -hmm. your CAQH, put in your new company information, the address, the name of the company, NPI type two, I believe is what they look for. So all of that information you're going to want to put in there. And then the other big thing about your CAQH uh, is uh, professional liability insurance. Make sure that's updated and it's current during the time that you're um, submitting your applications to get in network. Um, because if that is outdated, it, your your application can be denied because your, C, your, your CAQH isn't updated. And then we've lost, you know, the time, time that you submitted yeah. to the time where they rejected, that can be six months. So like, that's, sucks <laughs> so so it's like let's not do that right and it's very common mistake um but that's that's a big mistake that you want to avoid so um how does this affect your current it doesn't it's it's your it's your it, it, so uh, the question is how does this affect my current employer it, it does not affect them at all don't delete them from your your caqh as long as you're continuing to work you with them. You can have multiple. But yeah, you can have as many practices under your CAQH as as you have. So you could have four or five, right? It, it really doesn't matter. Uh, but when you're submitting your applications, you your, your application has to match the information that you're submitting. So there has to be my company name, my company address, NPI type 2. Uh, but no way will that affect your current employer you can have multiple in there um does that hopefully that answers your question well and i'm gonna add too i mean since this is mainly geared towards people who are starting their own ABA practice or have already started their own ABA practice mm -hmm. um it's not really going to reach a lot of vcbas out there who are just an employer or not just i shouldn't say just but an employer sure. with another company who doesn't know about this and sure. so what what i really um hope that every all of us like business owners and um you know supervisors and whatnot we can help to educate all the bcbas about caqh and advocate for them to have access to their own caqh yes. i mean in our in our practice like we like you have your autonomy like your caqh is yours now um, please keep it updated. Yes. You know, you, we, we might, you know, have to figure out some kind of plan of if, if it's something that you're having trouble keeping updated. Cause then if we have, um, you know, claims that are being denied because you're, you're not active or updated in the CAQH, you know, so you do have to make sure that you're, you have within your, your policies and stuff that that's part of the expectation that they have to keep it updated. 
but um, that's part of our in, intake or like our, um, uh, what's the word, onboarding process for Correct. BCBA is if um, to make sure that they have access to their CAQH, especially if they're coming from another employer. Correct. Um, and, and so, so yeah, so that's just my little, my two cents is, you know, have your BCBAs have their own CAQH CAQH, and have full access to it. And And like there are options now where you can add somebody to your account Mm -hmm. so they can reattest for you, right? So you can have an admin person in there. Uh, But I don't like, so when we would bring on someone that it happened more often than not that we were teaching them about, hey, you have an MPI type one and you've got a CAQH, you may have a, a, a a medical license as well depending on the state uh and so then we're teaching them these things and they're like i didn't know any of this stuff and and so you know then we teach them how to get access to these things and then like the thing that we would don't use your company email address for these right right? like use your gmail you may leave here someday hopefully Mm -hmm. you never leave but like you may you may leave here and then if it's stuck on a company email it's going to be harder to get back if you if you haven't switched right. it over. So just use your own Gmail account or your iCloud account or whatever uh, email you have, use your personal email address and make that um, the, the where these emails go and, and so that you, you can reattest and you have complete control over it because it's yours. At the end of the day, it, it does not belong to the company and the company has no business controlling it. Um, so yeah. Well, and so I think it falls under the BACB, like with the with the updates of like to be knowledgeable about the. Sure. I can't. I can't remember the wording. Yeah, they have knowledgeable about billing. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things. That... Um, and, and I can't remember the exact wording or which mm-hmm. which item it is, but mm-hmm. I do know it, it's a newer one, and um, I feel like this would very well fall underneath that category yeah. too. So you could also, you know, be be following that. All right. Lay it on me. It, I don't like you can ask multiple questions. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm not calling anyone out. But if you have more than one question, feel free to shoot it. Right. I can guarantee you that if you have the question, someone else everybody else has it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, feel free to ask. You want to ask me questions? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can I can ask. Um, if, if no one else, at least, or I can ask a question to buy some time while oh, other people something. go, oh, we got one. All right, okay. thank you. All right, so can you go over company HIPAA? Can you go over a company phone number that meets HIPAA? Oh, yeah. So if you just have a regular landline, which no one has, or like your cell service, those, uh, I believe those fall under safe harbor. So um, they they you're good on those. So your voicemail system and your cell phone should be fine now. Like there are other things that you should think about adding to like your voicemail message. If this is an emergency, call 911. Uh, and, and you really want to limit what people are providing to you over voicemail as much as possible. Uh, so like, you know, say, you know, please, this this is a confidential voicemail if it is uh but you know say can you please limit the amount of information just that you give provide them a script over right this? Yeah. yes um and and then get them to to use whatever channels that you would have to keep most of your phi so maybe you're using an online contact us form or whatever it may be but but those will be fine and then you know but many people have voice over internet protocol so voip um, so that piece of it is going to vary based on the service that you are getting. Now, I am not by any means a HIPAA expert. I have worked with many HIPAA consultants. And so if you're using VOIP, the, the, the feedback that I have gotten from consultants is that you need to have a business associate agreement in place because this is stored on a server. The voicemail is stored on a server. Sometimes they're transcribing it real time, right? So it, it needs to be uh, it needs to be stored somewhere that is HIPAA compliant. And the first part of that is the business associate agreement. So you need to make sure that whatever service that you're you're using does uh, sign a business associate agreement. There are many out there that do it. So, but that would be the first step of doing that. Um, as far as keeping your your VOIPs HIPAA compliant. If they don't sign a business associate agreement, again, it, when I've talked to consult, HIPAA consultants, uh, they're, they're like, no, they're not, they're not 
um, following HIPAA and you really shouldn't use them. So like, I believe Google, whatever it's called now, it's not Google, um, it's not G Suite anymore, it's, it's something else. So whatever their new name for Google, I believe Google Voice is HIPAA compliant when, when you, as long as you follow the white paper, uh, Microsoft 365 is HIPAA compliant. Again, as long as you have the system set up the way it is required to be set up. So when you get these larger systems out of the box, they're not HIPAA compliant and uh, they're not set up that way. So you have to make the system set up. So highly recommend getting an expert if you don't know how to do it, but you can follow their white papers. They do, you can just do a Google search and you'll find them. Um, but that, that would be where you would go with that. Um, but yeah, there are many, many, uh, VOIP, uh, services that you can get that, that are HIPAA compliant. Uh, and you would just want to make sure if you don't have the time to set up Google, right. Then find something that's already set up so that you don't have to, you don't have to manage that piece of it. Okay. Well, we have another HIPAA question. Okay. Um, what do I need to have in place computer-wise for HIPAA? I mean, there's so many different things. I'll give you a few of the, the most important ones. Um, but like, I would, I would recommend that based on these questions, I, I'm, I'm uh, no judgment here, but I'm going to assume that a risk assessment has not been completed. So I would highly recommend that, you know, if you have questions about HIPAA, um, that the, the first thing that you do is find a HIPAA risk assessment. Okay. And this will kind of bring you through it. Um, so, uh, do go again, Google is amazing. <laughs> go search HIPAA risk assessment or risk analysis. Some people call it that. Uh, and you'll find thousands of free <laughs> ones on the internet, download one and just start the processes. Um, it, it'll go through all the requirements and then, uh, the 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 uh, safeguards that they're trying to put in place based on the requirement and it'll kind of walk you through it but I highly recommend doing that but on the computer side of things and this would this wouldn't just be for computers this would be like for your phones and tablets and you know whatever um, we need to have them encrypted so uh, again this is a safe harbor thing from what I understand and um, if it is encrypted and you lose it or it's stolen, you don't have to report it. So, but if it's not encrypted, then it is a breach and it is a reportable event. So you need to encrypt your computers and your devices. Uh, I don't know much about Androids. We're all phone, all Apple here. Um, so, but again, Google, YouTube, amazing. So you're gonna do a Google search how do I encrypt my Samsung whatever, right? Or how do I encrypt my Google Pixel whatever? Um, and then it should walk you through. The process is fairly simple from what I understand, especially now with your iPhone and iPad, you put a pin number on it, it's encrypted. Um, and then with Macs, they, they have File Vault built in to encrypt your hard drive. With PCs, if you get uh, PC Pro, uh, or sorry, um, Microsoft Windows 10 Pro or 11 Pro, then they do have encryption built in. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you have a home edition or a student edition, um, then, <laughs> then you're going to have to have some kind of a third party uh, encryption software in place. So I just recommend just it's I don't think it's really all that expensive to get windows pro now so i would get windows pro and just encrypt your hard drive um and then you know on the other side of it like email we need encrypted we need uh hipaa compliant email um uh, and, and then any of the services that you're using whether that be like cloud storage or um uh like like i mentioned voip or email or fax any of that stuff that's coming through the internet, um, those all need to be like, you need to have business associate agreements in place for that, right? We need to be using uh, SSL cert certs when we're in our browsers. And then the last big thing on the computer that I do highly recommend, don't use anybody else's Wi-Fi. Uh, I, I, I think that, that that's a, 
that can that can lead to disaster. So like, don't use uh, your client's Wi-Fi at home. That that's not a good idea. You don't know how secure that internet is. You don't know if there's some kind of malware, spyware in their system. So avoid that at all possible. Don't you go to Starbucks and use uh, free internet there. Um, like there's been this kind of debate on, well, if I have VPN and then everything's fine, that is not necessarily true. Uh, and I'm not getting into the, <laughs> the weeds on that, but I do highly recommend that you have a cell phone and you hotspot in and you're good. Um, and that, that would be the best method to, to using a computer when you don't have like access to secure Wi-Fi in your clinic or your office space. Um, and then there are many other things like, especially around email, right? Don't click on something that you don't know, right? Like these are, this is how malware gets on your devices. And this is, these are the most common issues that you'll find in HIPAA, uh, is somebody clicked on a link they shouldn't have. Uh, so like teacher staff, don't click on something. If you don't know who it's from, uh, just, just don't open it. Um, I highly recommend that teaching your staff that because, that is the most common way that you you will get in trouble, uh, for sure. So, yeah, hopefully that helped. All right, so, okay, good question, Amy. Uh, what should a treatment plan include? Should an FBA automatically be part of the assessment portion? So as far as the FBA, that's going to depend on the payer like it so on the funder um the insurance um it, it varies it and in some and i can't off the top of my head remember which ones have which requirements um but some do specifically require an fba um now if you're looking like if there is a behavior that like um like problem i'm using air quotes behavior that you are um addressing or if it's a very um focused um treatment or you're just working on like reduction of like a excessive behavior or you know violent aggressive kind of thing like you definitely need to have that fba um but my biggest uh advice for treatment plan is that it's um medical like it's written like medically uh, like using medical necessity terms like so like we you want to stay away from like educational um a lot of insurance and this and I'm, I'm kind of now what should a treatment plan include like clinically in what I my opinion and what a lot of um you know people who I've learned under and research and stuff like what what you should include in a treatment plan is sometimes different. It looks different than what insurance is looking for. So mm. I'm kind of going for the what is insurance looking for, you know, little summary. Um, and there again, this is by no means like a very specific list because it's going to really depend on the insurance. But so insurance is looking for medical necessity. Like they, they are not going to want to pay for services that they think that an IEP is going to be covering, especially some, some will ask you a lot now a lot of them now will ask you for a copy of the IEP um and they'll they'll ask like what services are they you know receiving at school and um Medicaid's a whole different ball game because I know that there was like certain rules about like if they get certain services at school that you have to be careful not to right. um duplicate overlap, overlap you yes. know things like that so you do have to kind of Medicaid you have to really be aware of a lot of that um, PT, OT speech, like, you know, we've had sometimes a goal get, you know, treatment plan get kicked back because maybe we're working on toothbrushing and maybe the way the goal was written, it was like how to hold the toothbrush maybe. And they're like, oh yeah, no, that's not you guys. That's like OT or, you know, like that's yeah. another discipline. Um, that's not for you. So, so that you have to word it in a way that points back to the diagnosis of, of, of autism, especially if that's mostly that's what we're dealing with here or if if there is a situation where they're allowing for uh aba services for maybe down syndrome or another i think that's coming up in some area some. sometimes um then making sure that it relates back to that specific diagnosis of of the individual that you're treating um 
and so so no educational and you have to kind of like write it in a sense of like looking through the lens of behavior um I know that ABA isn't just about like reducing bad behavior. Um, it, it's it's about teaching skills and life skills and things like that. So there are a lot of other pieces that we want to include into our treatment plans and that are appropriate to include. We just have to look at how we are justifying it and how we're writing those goals. I don't know. Hopefully that that answers. The good yeah. news is like because the vast majority of funders require authorization, yeah. they're they're going to tell you. Yeah. This doesn't meet what we require. Yeah, they'll and so while back. that's annoying, right? The first couple of times cuz you may it may go back and forth three or four times, but at, the, at least then you're going to know, okay, this is how I get past this one. And then again, we did the same thing on this. Like, okay, after after a certain amount of time, you you know what they're wanting, yeah, right? Yeah. And so then you can create that comprehensive treatment plan that kind of encompasses everybody's um, uh, requirements. And, and then you can make it from there. Uh, but again, there, there are going to be some that have their own template and you're not allowed to add them. So that's just something to... Yeah. Yeah, and and to speak on that too, um, I, I believe Aetna was one of the big ones that we had a lot of peer reviews, and so that's something that will happen too. Sometimes mm-hmm. is if they're like, oh well, you know, we don't agree with this, or we don't see where this is. You're in your lane, or you know, whatever. Then then they'll call like a peer review, and so you'll you'll just have like a phone call with. Um, most of the time, as a BCBA, actually more and more now yeah, yes. than it used to be. It used to be some medical doctor who may not have really understood. But the cool thing about the cool thing about uh, the um, the peer reviews sometimes they can be a little nerve wracking, but they they're such an amazing learning experience. Um, over the years, we've learned so much from peer reviews because we've been able to explain like, okay, well, this is what we're trying to get at. This is this is the picture. Um, like we had one where they. Um, uh, like maybe they thought that the goal that we were working on wasn't appropriate for the age of the child. Mm. And, and so we explained that maybe, okay, well this, let me tell you a little bit more about this child and what's going on here and why, you know, to kind of like justify more in depth of like, kind of give a little bit of a backstory to, to help like paint the picture for this person because they're just seeing words on paper and they're seeing very black and white a lot of times. So being able to give a little bit more information to help explain and they may say, okay, well, I'll get I'll give you a three-month authorization to try this out and let's see where it goes and we'll meet back. Right. Or they'll say, okay, we'll give you six months, but that's all I can give you to work on this goal. After that, you need to have trans transferred it over to another provider or something, right? Um and so, so you can really, it, it can be really beneficial. And there was one case where we did ask for a peer review because we had some um, specific, it was, it was one of those cases, right? That didn't quite fit the mold. And we, we were like, hey, let's proactively, let's ask, let's see if we can ask for one. It's only once that we ever asked for one. But like, let's see if we can get somebody on the phone and see if we can get some answers of how we need to go about doing this specific thing with a specific child. Um so, uh, so yes, but as far as treatment plan within your company, especially if you're starting off or you're starting to in, in, be in network with more providers, that's what we did. We spent a good bit of time of like taking all the components from all the ones that they wanted and tying it together into one treatment plan template. And even the ones who wanted it in a certain format, we were able to piece that to cut and paste, cut and paste those yeah. into that format and then still attach the the full document behind and then you have other ones like uh united who don't even want the treatment plan um but you still do one i still have one um and then of course do it over the phone yeah they just do it and just make sure of course they're again making sure that you get informed consent um from the guardian or the individual if they're of age to do so and all of that right so get the proper informed consent within those treatment plans is a big piece too um, yeah, and then like um, even discharge they're looking for now. Right? Yeah, so, so that oh yeah, so that's a really great thing, Stephen. So most all of them now are looking for a transition plan. So they're wanting to know, and some more so. I think Aetna. Uh, don't quote me on that. Some more than others are really looking for like a very detailed. Okay, how you how you getting this kid out of ABA? And of course, if you have this early learner who has a lot to learn still, or someone who's you know a lot you know not where they need to be like 
quite delayed from like their peers or whatever. Like it's going to seem really strange and weird. So what we did is we did have like, we wrote like a generic like transitional plan within our template, our template um, of like, okay, here's, here's what you can put, especially that first chain of plan when you're just starting out and you're trying to figure out with this, you're trying to learn this, this person that you're working with. So you can sometimes have like a generic general, okay, once they meet these goals at this time, then we'll start the process of moving forward. Um, but then some, especially if you've been, if you're hitting that like two to three year mark of, um, services, or if they have a high level of like treatment plant, like where they're intensive model, where you're giving them a lot of hours, um, during the week, then they're really going to be looking for a very detailed, um, transition plan to get them out of services. And then the other piece is parent participation. They really want to see more and more now. They want to see, um, the parent participating and they want data and they want, you know, data driven goals. Um, so that's something else to think about too. And then um, one thing I was thinking of on the HIPAA computer mm. thing, uh, before I forget, okay. is the password policies too. That's uh, really important. Uh, again, I'm, I, I'm not touching on everything, but pa- password policy uh, is really important. So um, let's say your password, it forces you to change your password every three months or six months or something like that. And it can't be the same as the last time. Well, it has to be complex. It has too. to be complex. So, so having... There is no requirement on what your password policy needs to be, but you should have a password policy in place. And this would be across the board on anything that requires a password to log in. Uh, but your computer, your iPads, your tablets, everything like that should be uh, should have a password policy on it too. Sorry, I don't know if you guys could hear her, but every time you mention HIPAA, our dog does like this little low growl oh, and she's, she's under she, the she, desk. She so. doesn't like HIPAA. I don't she's, like HIPAA. Uh, she's like, oh, HIPAA. <laughs> that gives me a headache. Um, but we have another question Cut. here. It's when trying to get in network, where do you start? Where do you find the applications? Mm. Google. That's great. So when, I, when I'm when i working with someone and we're trying to figure out, you know, what... Okay, so I'm going to take this back. So the first thing you should do is because... Someone will come to me and say, who do, who should I get in network with? And I, I always respond, I have no idea. So like this is going to be really local to you. So a great place to start to figure out who you should get in network with is go to other ABA providers in your area, like their websites. Go to speech, OT, PT websites. Developmental pediatricians um, are is another great place uh, because then this will also, one, it will tell you, Who's in the area, probably, for the Did most part. Did you say, part. like, companies? I, I, I zoned yes. out for a minute. Did you mention, like, big companies in the area? Well, like- first, yeah, just going to, like, your regular providers. Oh, okay. Right? So go to their websites, OT, PT, Speech, Developmental Pediatricians. Oh, okay. right? I meant, like, if there was, like, a big company like Microsoft or Amazon sure. or something, what sure. kind of insurance do they and, provide? And we'll get there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and so that would be the first place that I would go is the their websites to figure out who they're in network with. So number one, it's probably you should be in network with these people if they're in network. And number two, when you start this organic referral process, which I highly recommend, um, then you can go to them and say, hey, look at this, what a coincidence, we're in network with the same funders. And so um, that's a really good place to start. And then once you have an idea of who you're getting in network with, then it's Google. So what I do is, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield of the state, uh, ABA uh, in-network provider application. And that works like nine out of 10 times, right? Sometimes with Medicaid, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Some of these self-funded um, insurance plans are maybe a little bit different. Like, you know, you're saying if there's an Amazon office close to you, if there's a Microsoft office close to you, are you close to a military base? Then TRICARE is probably going to be a good bet, right? Um, so that that those are the other pieces of it. So, you know, like where we were, there was a Micron office that they had a self-funded plan. So that was someone that we considered getting in network with. We had Microsoft, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Primera that we got in network with. Now, if somebody was 20 miles west of us, probably would have never considered them because there is nobody there. So it really does depend on 
Number one, how far are you willing to drive? <laughs> and then number two, who is in your local area, right? Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, our very first um, insurance that we got network with, like way back. Mm-hmm. So we started with like private pay, right? Because in Virginia, where we started out, like they, like insurance wasn't mandated yet. There was huge need, blah, 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 right? So then like, oh, here comes insurance, right? And all the things that came with that. We're like, oh, this is awesome. And we start like figuring out the process and we get in network with this one insurance company and like we get in network with it like, I don't know. Super quick. Two weeks or something. We're like, yeah, not a single soul in our like, like, I don't know, two hour drive radius around us. Like even had like no one offered that insurance. And we had this like first insurance and we couldn't even use it because- there was nobody that had it. Nobody. So that no, never, was... never do we get a case from that. <laughs> we were yeah, like, yeah, never so. in the whole, like, it was just kind of one of these, it was just sitting there, you know, yeah. maybe, but never. It was kind of, yeah. it was just kind of one of those things. It was kind of funny, right? Because we didn't even think about that. Yeah. And so then once you do submit your applications and, you know, you've done all of that, you again, CAQH is updated, you've got your type 2 NPI, all that stuff is done, right? Then, um, like then we get the contracts and then it's super important that you don't just don't do what we did don't do what i just did it's a contract you sign it obviously uh don't do that you need to um you need to uh look at the rates and make sure that those uh are are acceptable um and then the other piece of that is rate negotiation which i highly recommend doing um and before please do it before you sign the contract, before, before, before. Um, and then if they won't budge on rates, um, then at least find out what the process is so that, and like, okay, fine, I'll sign this contract, but I need to know when I can do rate negotiations. Uh, I need to know the process so that when I can do rate negotiation, uh, I can I can follow your process and and um, we, can, we can negotiate. So, uh, highly recommend um, getting at least that um, when you're doing it. And then the other pieces before signing your contract is understanding the recoupment laws in your state, uh, understanding your that your your provider manual, uh, making sure that you un, you have a clear understanding of what is required in session notes. Make sure you have a clear understanding of who can provide what services. So. Uh, is a BCBA required? Is a BCABA required? Is can you concurrently bill? Like all of these things need to be answered before you sign that contract because typically once you sign the contract, man, they're like it's a whole lot harder to get a hold of these people and get a quick response. Uh, not always, but generally speaking, it is. And and so you want to make sure that you have all of this stuff in place. Uh, before signing that contract. And if, if you're new to looking these contracts over, reach out to someone to help oh, you to understand it. Because yeah. it is, you know, like anything, any other legal document, um, especially like if you're new to the this whole thing, um, like some of the wording that they're using and what they're saying and what it means and how does this apply to you. And, you know, it's it's really important to, to, to get some like, understanding of what it is that these things are even saying like Steven side because like it's easy to be like oh yeah, that sounds good great let me sign it we're in network especially if you're just super really excited. excited to get yeah. started yeah, so absolutely. yeah so that definitely is a really good piece of information not just the rate make sure you're okay with the rate before you sign it but with the other pieces as well yeah yep they'll wait a little bit they'll wait a little bit so don't yeah. don't feel rushed at least i wouldn't i i wouldn't feel like you want to make sure that this is uh, this is good for you, right? You can good for your practice. Communicate with them and let them know that yes. you're that mm-hmm. you're still looking over it and you're mm-hmm. interested, but you need a little more time. Yes. Yep. I don't think there's. I don't remember there being like a. I mean, some of them will try to like yes. get you, and I, that's probably why you yes. know, like they want to. Yeah, normally they have like this is uh, this is uh, this contract is valid for X amount of days. Right, and... but I feel like it's like thirty days or yeah, something. Yeah. I feel See, like it's a yes. decent amount of time yes. where you can get you can get that yes. right. Mm-hmm. You can get that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see. I uh, don't even know what time it is. Let's. See. Oh jeez, it's uh okay. We've got about ten more minutes, right? Two two five. Yeah, we got okay. ten more minutes. Uh, so yeah, so any other questions? 
We can give it a minute because I know there's a little bit of a delay, but I have a couple of like frequently asked questions that I can throw in there too if I just don't want to take time from anyone else if they have questions. Well, and one thing on the supervisor, like the treatment plan, um, we have a template, so I'm going to sell it. Um, And so uh, in our supervisor handbook, it does come with a, a treatment plan template that you can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we we used um so, yeah yeah um, and the supervisor handbook's really cool too yes. so i i would uh you know check that out on our website www.3pisquared.com and go mm-hmm. under the quality management system you'll see the um the supervisor handbook there and then on the intake side and the client handbook like the the intake packet and medical question go even if you you know, you're like, ah, I'm not making any purchases. That's totally fine. But I would recommend like just going to our website, mm-hmm. looking at the more details in that client handbook. And that should give you a really good idea of the things that you should consider getting in place to yeah. do your intake. Yeah. So that that may be just helpful just to see the, the table of contents to give you an idea. Our dog is going nuts. She's like, she's never been in here. We, we actually forgot to put her down in her crate um, during our meeting. And she's just a year old. So she's still like very much puppy and end of things. So we have to keep her safe. Um, but she um, has never been in a podcast. And so we're like both sitting here talking <laughs> at the screen. And it's like she was like trying to figure out, like, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? And then I've been ignoring her. And so, of course, like she's like, first she was like sticking her nose on me. And then she was pawing me. And now she's like down on top of my feet, rolling her whole body around. So she's like, pay me attention. All right. And we, ha- we do have another. Uh, can you go over what your membership offers? Sure. So um, so the membership, the, it comes. It's, it's for a year, so it's 12 months. And it comes with 34 and a half CEs, I believe. It, it's, it's somewhere around there. But it's enough for the two-year recertification. Mm-hmm. So it comes with all the super uh, supervision CEs that you need, all the ethics CEs that you need, and then the rest are general. Um, it's broken down into 13 sections, so we go through quite a bit of material. Uh, it's about 60 hours of video content, and then we also have you know, text and links that we share in there as well. So it's, it's broken down into 13 sections. The first section is like starting up. So uh, LLC, tax ID, you know, uh, putting your service agreement in place, um, getting everything ready to submit your applications uh, to your funders. Um, and then we talk to experts. So in that first section, we talk to an accountant, uh, I think it's like four hours, two different accountants. It's like yeah. if you need to fall asleep, um, oh, come on. great material. For the, <laughs> very a, helpful, very important information. Yes. You're, it, not, no, you're, not, 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 you're not selling your, your stuff very well here. <laughs> very important information. But yeah, so like, you know, it goes over like, do you want to be an S Corp, right? That's a question yeah. that's asked all the time. And then like, how do I expense off my home office? And like, so stuff like this, right? Uh, payroll taxes. And, and so it goes through a lot of questions that anybody that I've talked to has these same questions when they're starting out. So it's very helpful. Well, I feel like it brings up a lot of things that you would have never even Maybe. thought. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah. at least it might. Because I mean, I was, I'm not business minded one mm-hmm. at all. Like totally clinical, totally want to just throw it and go into this mm-hmm. and like, Oh, I want to build this company. Like, mm-hmm. let's do this thing, and um, and and so there. I think feel like in all of his policies and procedures and all of his his course and everything. Like, I think that's one of the big things you do sure. is you're like you put in all the things that you wouldn't have even known you didn't know to right. do. Right. And then in section two, we go into actually okay, we're gonna start submitting our applications. So we give you like the popular links like Aetna, Blue Cross, Tricare West and East and all of those links mm-hmm. to the applications, Optum. And then, um, you know, and then we teach you how to find the ones that you need on, on top of that. Right. Um, and then we go through the budget calculator. Right. So this is super important. So many providers will start uh, us included um, start their practice never having done a budget like not not even considering that this is a thing I mean, that you should a, do. a loose budget um, but like sure. not a detailed sure. like 
accounting for all the things. So this as, walks you through yeah. like expenses that you may run into. It walks you through how, like how much are you going to pay your staff? It does all the calculations for you. And then you can put in your contracted rates to see, are these profitable rates or these sustainable rates, stuff like this. And then we go through, you know, uh, section four goes through, um, the consultants that you should consider, so attorneys and accountants and HIPAA consultants and marketing people, and we talk to insurance brokers and we talk to attorneys, and and, and then we go into section five, which is branding and marketing, and we go through you know how you do organic referral based, which I highly recommend um, marketing and how you can create a referral list uh, or a wait list that you will never fill um, at, on the cheap. So, so that's the way I recommend doing it. Uh, but then we also go into, okay, fine. You want to do social media. Okay. Let's do social media. And we walk you through that. And then we, we provide you key performance indicators that, you know, okay, my, is my ad working or not? Right. I'm getting a whole lot of clicks, but am I getting any referrals from this? So we walk you through that process. So you're not spending money for no reason. Uh, and then we go into section six is hiring employees. Section seven is opening your clinic. And then we go into the ethics of starting a practice. We go into HIPAA compliance for the owners in section number 10, I think it is. I'm so, just impressed you know this like sections by, <laughs> by memory, right? And, and then we, we also, in, in section 12, I believe it is, we go into, we talk to established uh, ABA business owners. Some of them have clinics, some of them have in-home, some of them have both. And we just go over pain points like, what do you do with block schedules? What do you do with cancellations? You know, things like this that... I guarantee you're going to run into and, and you're going to be like ripping your hair out. And so we, you know, you're not alone. If, if you get nothing else from the, those conversations, you're not alone. We all feel it. Those are our struggles. Everybody struggles with this stuff. Um, so, but it, they, they also give helpful tips on how they did it and, you know, where they went with it. Uh, so th those are the main points um, that we go through on the membership. Um, it's self-paced. The other piece that we have with the membership is we have live events very similar to this. It's Ask Us Anything. We do two of them a month, two to three a month, where you can just come on and say, I'm stuck. This is where I'm at. Where do I go next? Um, or you, you come on and share, a, a, like, hey, you got in network with Optum or you passed your audit or whatever, you know, just come on celebrate. and share, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's what we're here. Like, if one thing that we found out when we started, it's super lonely, right? Uh, and none of your employees are going to understand what you're going through. Nor is it appropriate yes. to really include them, right. some of so, that. So, like, even just coming on and just saying, man, this is a real rough day and, like, this is what happened. Uh, we're here, right? We're here to celebrate and we're here to uh, listen to you vent if you need to. So, so, you know, our goal is to provide a membership that gives you a comprehensive overview of how to create a sustainable ethical practice um and and um yeah that's that's really it mm -hmm. absolutely you're very welcome um and i'm glad that you came and asked questions so i have i have a shameless plug yeah absolutely yeah so i'm excited but um i want to share with you guys that are here today in case you haven't seen i'm starting a new workshop on monday um, and it's uh, for values-based leadership. Um, and so it's like looking at your own value, identifying your own values, um, and then like bringing those in, incorporating those to your company core values, in, embedding those into your mission statement, um, and then like really um, being able just to um, have that, build that, that, as I throw my pen, build the um, culture within your workplace, like based on those values and what you want. So I'm really excited about it. There's, it's a, um, there's a two-part event. Um, each one's four sessions. Um, it'll be like um, a presentation, like interactive, casual presentation style where I'll share a lot of information with you. And followed by the next week will be like a group coaching kind of thing. Um, something like a live, ask me anything, but it's going to look a little different um, as, as far as format. It's going to be like supportive because there's going to be a lot of other stuff that comes in when you're looking at your values. Um, so instead of like, oh, here, figure this out and deal with your stuff, like it's it'll be like kind of a, a support network as you're going through that. And so that will kind of 
alternate like presentation style followed by a group coaching session and kind of as we go through. So um, I think where can they go to uh, find more effort to sign up and find more information about that? Yeah. So like uh, we'll share the link in here um, in the comments in Facebook um, and I can share the link in the Vimeo chat as well. So you'll have it. Okay, great. Um, and then we will be sending out an email. So anyone that signed up for Vimeo will get an email. You can unsubscribe if you don't like spam emails. It's not spam, but you know, it is. Yeah, so like stuff, you can just yeah. unsubscribe. Yeah. Um, but we'll be sending that email out just to, as a follow-up. And, and there's going to be a, it's a rather large discount um, if you attend both. So yeah, we're super excited about that. Um, uh, I, if there are any other questions, we can take maybe one more. Uh, uh, otherwise, um, you know, thank you for coming and, and hopefully this was helpful. And um, again, we're here for, for you all. And if you need our help, www.3pisquare.com. Uh, feel free to sign up for a free consult and we can discuss this in further detail. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate your time today and thank you for all the questions. And uh, yeah, you see any any? I don't see I don't. any more questions. <laughs> That's a good girl. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming and asking your you? questions. Can I say thank you? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>